Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Just Me? It's the podcast where we dissect all sorts of nonsense and treat it with all the seriousness and the gravitas that it deserves. I mean, James Williams, my co-host, has even got us talking about bin night this week. This is where it's, this is important stuff, high-level stuff, everybody. I'm Joe Elvin, and James and I will be joined today by Carrie Hope Fletcher, one of the famous Fletcher family, Tom Fletcher from McFly's sister. She's an actress, a, a singer, she's a writer. She's got a new book out on the 17th of September called Into the Spotlight, which is her first novel for children. We talked about all sorts of stuff with her, from escape rooms to being a goody two-shoes on a plane and garbage night. Get excited, everybody. Here we go. Carrie Hope Fletcher, we're so happy to see you. And I mean, well, the listeners are listening, but we can see you right now in this new Zoom world. But um. You are, everybody's heard of a triple threat, but you are a singer, dancer, actress, writer, YouTuber. You're like a quintuple threat. I love how you added dancer into that. Have you ever seen me dance? <laughs> I feel like I, well, I saw Heathers. I'm pretty sure I did see you dance. Yeah, there was a lot of um, drunk yeah. 17-year-olds dancing in that. So I could kind of get away with it in that. I'm not the strongest you know, dancer. You, I can you, move. I can you move. You did that beautifully. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so which I mean how do you define yourself if if in any way um I mean I always say actress and author and then kind of tag vlogger onto that because I feel like vlogging sort of runs alongside both of those things I feel like vlogging is something that um I do in the downtime and to showcase being an, a, an actress and an author I feel like if I wasn't an actress and an author I'd have nothing to talk about on YouTube oh and I bet that's not true but it's just like you you're, I don't know how old you are, but you're still such a baby and you've got this sort of, I don't know, like Judy Dench level of, <laughs> it's just like, the, it's just, you've been acting since you were tiny. 
Yes, yeah, it's been a it's been a long time. I had my first acting role when I was seven years old, so I've um, yeah been on the stage for a long time. But it's where I, I just love it so much. That's the thing. Like I get asked a lot, like how how do you find the time to do all these things, and isn't it difficult? But everything that I do is kind of self inflicted. I do it because I've chosen <laughs> to do it, and you know I'm very lucky to have lots of things on the go that I really enjoy doing. Um, so it never feels like too much of a struggle. You know, it is hard work at times, but. Uh, it never feels like a chore, I guess. Because yeah. I, just love, I love doing it all so much. It's so amazing. And when you're writing, because you, you, now you've got another fiction out. It's, yes. what's it, it's called Into the Spotlight. And it's your Into first children's book. Yes. Yeah. And how, how, do you, um, how do you carve out the time to do that? Do you, is it something you enjoy? Or do you feel a bit sort of, you know, with a gun to your head with deadlines? <laughs> um, sometimes the deadlines do get a little bit too close for comfort. Um, but I, yeah, I, I usually write to and from the theatre on the train because I, I get the tube in and so that, you know, it's a good 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back on one tube line. So it's a nice chunk of time that I, I prefer to be writing and doing something productive rather than sitting and playing a, a game, which I usually do get sucked into if I'm not writing. I suddenly kind of go, oh my God, an hour's gone by and all I've achieved is three more levels on this random game that I downloaded on a whim. Oh, so. but the, it is a thrill though, isn't it? It is. It is. I know. My husband like really rolls his eyes at me. It's what I do when I'm trying to relax is like, you know, those sort of like matching games and I yeah. keep getting ads for them pop up on my phone. And Ross said to me, you know, that I read, I read an article that says you're, you're, it's only people classed as super users who get those ads. So I just felt so ashamed. <laughs> as long as you get a thread out of it, it's fine. No, but, but you're making me realise how much of my life I'm wasting. Oh, no, stop. Carrie, I ask you, so what, so do you write on a laptop on the tube? Are you one of those people? I'm, I'm, or yeah. Do you, yeah. Wow, I'm, re I'm always one, yeah. so impressed with the people that can be asked to get a laptop out on tubes. <laughs> yeah, no, I am one of those people, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I used to be, I used to roll my eyes at those people being like, oh, why aren't you just playing a game on your phone or like reading or something instead of like hauling around this massive laptop. And, and are you I'm a really like, loud tapper? I, it's only, I draw the line at the loud tapping, like clack, 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 that, that I hate. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have my headphones on and I'm listening to some like random instrumental, so I can't hear my own tapping. So maybe I am, I don't know. <laughs> But you, but you are, I mean, you're writing, aside from the acting, just, just one of your, you know, multi-hyphenates, Karen, you're a writer, you're a prolific writer. I mean, this is, now, so in, in total, how many books do you now actually have published? It's going to be on what, what, what uh, I think this is, I think this is my seventh. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, it might be the tenth. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't so lovely, Carrie. We'd hate you. You're far too over a yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I think there's a compliment in there somewhere. Thanks. <laughs> But do you ever just have a day of going, right, I'm doing absolutely diddly squat today? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah, every now and I again. I don't believe you. that she's lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I think I'd, I'd melt down far more often than I, than I do already if I didn't have days when I'm just like, right, today it's just me and Disney+. Plus. <laughs> also, Carrie, it's in your genes, isn't it? I mean, come on. Yeah. You're from a family of hugely creative, successful people. I mean, you know... Is it just DNA or is it, it's a lot of hard work as well, I should imagine. Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like when people look at me and my brother, um, everyone thinks that we come from like a long line of people who do the same things. My dad worked in a Kodak factory in silver recovery, driving a forklift. And my mum was a learning support teacher for kids with special needs. For, um, for a second, and... I thought you said your dad worked in a Kodak factory. And <laughs> that, that is, um, 
Well, that's probably a, a reference beyond many of our younger listeners, but that, that, that gave me a very exciting visual image. No, Kodak, Kodak, <laughs> <laughs> definitely Kodak. Um, yeah. yeah, no, my, my parents are both, I mean, my, they're both very musical. Like my mum is a massive musical theatre fan, which is where me and my brother get our love of musical theatre from. And my dad plays guitar. He used to be in a band that used to play around like pubs and clubs and local YMCA's. Um, but it kind of never went any further than that for, for dad. Until my de- until my brother asked him to play at Wembley Stadium with him, which was pretty cool. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Wembley yeah. Arena. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I mean, we're just very lucky to have such supportive parents who kind of instilled in us from such a young age that we really can do anything we want to do as long as we're willing to put in the hard work. And you know, if it requires time or money and effort, there's always ways to obtain those things. We just need to be willing to think about it, and you know find the ways to, to obtain those things. Also, isn't it lovely though how times have changed Lux? I mean, I, I, mean, I remember in, in my career, there was often a snobbery about people that had different strings to their bow, that, that, mm. that awful expression of jack of all trades, master of none. And I, I love the fact that actually in the last sort of 10, 15 years, that snobbery has totally been blown out of the water. Yeah. And you know, people can now embrace and be totally successful in, in often very disparate fields. It doesn't necessarily have to be complementary, but I mean, you, you know, it's great that you know you can just turn your hand to anything really now. And yeah. Not, like yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, the thing I love about that saying is that everyone always misses off the last line because it's jack of all trades, master of none, but always better than a master of one. <laughs> I didn't know that. I did not know that either. Yeah. So the end of the phrase actually kind of is in favour of people who do actually have lots of strings to their bow. Well, my mind's just been blown. <laughs> Every day yeah. is a school day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is wonderful because uh, I feel, yeah, there's um, pros and cons to this uh, wonderful culture that we've got now of people who do lots of different things. Um, but there is also sort of the, the negative side of it where we kind of do glorify people burning out and working themselves to the point where they've got no more left to give. Um, But I think we're kind of pulling it back now and we're finding a good balance between um, being productive, but also taking care of yourself. Um, You know, there's lots of conversations about mental health now and self-care and self-love and taking care of yourself as a priority, um, which I think is, you know, only a good thing. But how do you, how do you save yourself from burnout? Because, you know, looking at your list of achievements makes me feel like burning out just reading it. I mean, it's just, it's extraordinary. How do do you find the balance? Yeah. I I do struggle to find the balance. And up until about last year, I kind of was burning out on like a monthly basis where I was just having just massive meltdowns where I was like, okay, I've got to the point where I've said yes to too many things. And now I don't know what to do because I just can't actually handle as many things as I've said yes to. Um, So last year I actually started going to counseling, which massively helped. Um, I finished that in lockdown actually this year. Um, And I just cannot recommend it enough. I feel like there's uh, a lot of people who think there's a lot of shame in asking for help. Uh, and it's a weakness but I actually think it's one of the strongest things that you can do to admit that you aren't capable of doing everything on your own and Mm. you do need to reach out and say actually I I need support and I need someone even if it's just someone to guide me in the right direction and tell me how I'm meant to deal with this in the future which is definitely yeah and I think it's brilliant because you've got so many followers and fans it's really powerful for someone like you to say that because it's true we all need help we all and I, I've had counseling for stress management and things and it's like it becomes that thing doesn't it where you are you have to learn how to say no because it's terrifying to say no especially when you are a hyphenate person 
and you're yeah. thinking, well, maybe this is the last thing I'll get offered. So I'm just going to say yes, 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 yes. And that's, it, it's, yeah. it, it's addictive. I'm such a people pleaser as well. I hate disappointing <laughs> anyone. So if someone asks me a favor or asks me to do something, I'm always like, yes, absolutely. Of course I'll do that because I- yeah, So you I, heard it here. We guilted her into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. But I just hate seeing like the look on someone's face when you say, no, actually I can't do that. And them sort of going, oh, I'm gonna have to find someone else. Or I'm gonna have to do some, you know, I hate that. So I'm always like, yes, I'll do it. And I will just find a way to figure it out. I will, I will make it happen. Sorry. <laughs> my, my, my dog getting far too excited. Excuse me. Right. I've got someone at the door. I've got a cat who's got the loudest meow on the planet. So. Oh, excellent. Bring <laughs> him over to be quiet. So, say hello nicely. Um, so Carrie's going to say, obviously we, your first kids was, how, how did writing for a different audience, like for obviously for a much younger audience, how, how did you make that switch in your head? Is it very different, the whole process? Um, it's not massively different, but I, I felt like I enjoyed it more. I feel like with kids, um, when you're writing for children, because magic is always such a big part of even my women's fiction book, I always find a way to add some kind of magical element into the books. Um, and I feel like kids are just way more open to that. You don't have to explain magic to children. They just go, oh, it's magic. I'm totally on board. Yeah. I get it. Whereas adults, they're like, hmm, they've got like logic and reason in their heads going, well, how's that possible? Because that would never happen in the real world. And you're like, no, it's magic. You don't need yeah. to put yeah. Shut up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like with kids, I have yeah. a lot more fun just going, oh, I don't actually need to over explain that because as soon as you say that it's magic, they get it. They understand it. Um, but I just, I loved also writing about children in theatre because, because I've been acting from such a young age and I remember what it was like to be a child and be so in awe of these massive theatres and these huge auditoriums and all of the eccentric people that work backstage in wigs and costume and all of the actors and the crew. I just, I have such fond memories from being a child in theatre. So then put that into a book was just so much fun. That's oh. so a basic premise of the, of the, of the book. Carrie, what, what, here's your elevator pitch. What, what can we expect? Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, it's about three children called Marigold, Mabel, and Morris. And they all find their way to the Pebble Theatre, which is owned by a very eccentric woman called Great Aunt Maud. But she refuses to be called Great Aunt Maud because she's more than great. She's brilliant. So she is brilliant <laughs> Aunt Maud. Um, and Marigold wants to be a writer. Mabel wants to send people into space. She wants to work for NASA one day. And Morris wants to be a dancer. And their theatre is in jeopardy of going under. No one's buying tickets anymore. Um, the cast of the theatre are all sort of as old and rickety as the theatre itself. And they need to find a way from, uh, to save this theatre. And so Marigold decides to write a play and they're all going to put this show on and hope that it saves the theatre. Um, but of course, it is a reimagining of Ballet Shoes um, by Noel Stretfield, who would have been 125 this year, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and Marigold finds the journal of the three original fossil sisters who are the three sisters in ballet shoes. And it's all about the three children oh. now connecting with the three children then and discovering their dreams through the fossil sisters. And I, I can almost see the film happening right before eyes. <laughs> Fingers crossed one day. One yeah, day. you will, you will, yeah. Uh, also, Carrie, we can we can add, we can also add like I don't know, like a fortune telling to your list of talents because weirdly, I mean now obviously it's a really scary time, isn't it? In, in yeah. the theatres, what's going on? I mean, where where do you think? I mean, it, there are glimmers of hope, aren't there? You know, so I, yes. I bought tickets for um, um, performances um, of Talking Heads next month. You know, it does feel there's baby steps happening. Are, are you Definitely. hopeful we're going to get 
to back back to where we were in terms of the theatre. I really hope so. I I mean, it might take time, but like you said, baby steps. There's lots of things that are starting to happen, and there's lots of outdoor performances that have been happening, like Hair at the Turbine Theatre. They've done it outside um, in Battersea Park, which is amazing. Um, so there's little things sort of like bubbling up here and there and everywhere. And of course, there's lots of plans for the future, like Cinderella, um, which should be opening next March. All the mm. fingers crossed. Um, and Frozen as well. My boyfriend's going to be in Frozen, which should also be opening around the same time. Fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, um, there's lots of things resurfacing after months and months of theatres just being completely dark. So why, I'm really why don't we all why don't we all just wear bloody hazmat suits to the theatre? I mean, this is what I've been saying. I just think, I'm not, I'm not, I'm only, I'm not even joking. I just think (laughs) it's, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about what to wear. Mm. Um, You know, you wouldn't be able to hear anyone who was talking. All of that stuff would go away and, you know, you check, check the cast, make sure they're all safe and and well, and then you don't have to worry about the audience. But it's, I wish. It's a mathematic problem, it's a huge, because I haven't thought about it, I spoke to my friend who works, he's a theatre producer, and he just said, aside from anything else, it's just trying to make it commercially viable, because that's yeah. the problem. Unlike the cinema, where all the money, you know, when, when the cinemas are there, obviously every production has different costs, different size yeah. cars, different production, and unfortunately, you know, we've, we've become a bit spoiled, haven't we, in terms of the West End is so brilliant, delivered mm. such high octane production um, um, levels, that, you know, it's really hard when you've only yeah. then got half the capacity of the audience. Even if you, because I always said, well, people are spending more money on beer to make the pubs reopen. And I do wonder if, I mean, you know, t- I know theatres can be expensive anyway, but I, I think there's a market. I think people, when we can, I think people are going to be in their droves going. I really do. I think people yeah, definitely. I think so too. Mm. I mean, if you just look on Twitter, like the amount of outrage that there has been that theatres haven't reopened when you're watching uh snooker games being played in the the sheffield crucible with a full audience like that's a theater and you're playing a a, a snooker game in a full theater it's like why can't we just substitute the snooker for the cast and do a show like what's the difference so i feel like there are lots of people who are so outraged you just need to look on twitter and see everyone in their thousands sort of you know arguing the case for theaters coming back people are angry on twitter wow (laughs) i know i know what a surprise people have got opinions on twitter oh yeah and let's be honest, I mean, Christmas is different Christmas without a panto. They've got to find a way around that. I mean, you know. I know. I know. What's Christmas without a panto, eh? Oh, God. Well, speaking of outrage, Carrie, you know you've signed up for having me by joining this podcast because we, we do now yes. need to move on and debate some very silly topics in a very serious way. So I know oh, you're ready for absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yes, I'm well up for this. As soon as <laughs> I read them, I got outraged. So. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Is it just me that has a love-hate relationship with Ben Knight? Now, I don't know why, in my head, it's a bit like, you know, like when you were at school and Sunday would roll around and there were just certain things associated with Sunday that made you get really depressed because you knew you'd mm-hmm. get up to school the next morning. Like for me, the theme tune to the Antiques Roadshow um, was always like a sign of, oh my God, it's school tomorrow, how awful. <laughs> um, and then in a similar vein, you know, like songs of praise. I mean, you know, yeah. nothing, religion aside, just that theme tune would make me go, oh no, I'm going to get to school in the morning. Yeah. Anyway, so, so for me, like bin night for me is a Sunday here. So every right. time I get right into it, I'm like, oh, I've got to do the bins. And that means, oh no, it's another start of w- working week. <laughs> and then also there's a physical act of it's not a very pleasant job anyway. No. But like every weird, horrible job, when you've done it, the sense of satisfaction when you have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all about the little wins in life. 
Where, where are you on this one, Carrie? <laughs> Put as much thought into your bin nights as I do? I forget it nearly every week. And the amount of bin bags that are in my garage currently is horrendous. Like we just, we can't go in the garage now because it just smells like bins because we forget at least twice a month. So we end up with double the amount of bin bags and recycling in our garage. And I honestly, the feeling on a Monday morning when you see everyone's bin bags out or you hear the bin van coming along the bin lorry and you're like, oh my God, we've forgotten, we've forgotten. And it's that I once chased the bin lorry down the road with my bin bags being like no take them please take them well, I mean, so your bin night is sunday night too then yeah, yeah ours is sunday as well yeah so jojo so she was saying uh, uh, for me bin night is a sunday night so for me it's almost like that clangor of doom when i'm like oh no it's sunday night it's the start of another working week you know and for, and i also said i we I weirdly i find like um, I, it's a bit like any any kind of mundane act. Once you've done it, you feel a couple of sense of pride. It's a bit like one of those really easy things to add to a to-do list to make you feel good about yourself. Put the bins on. <laughs> but where, where are you on this argument, Joe? What, what day of the week is right. your bin? Well, f- first of all, because my Wi-Fi crashed, so can you hear me all right? <laughs> yes, we <laughs> can hear you. Well, I mean, my husband listens to this podcast, so I'm, I'm not going to be able to tell any lies about the fact that I've got a very, very... I would say tenuous relationship with bin night. Um, I, yeah, it's on Tuesday is our bin day. So on Monday evenings, I know when Ross is home because I hear the rumbling of the bins go out just as he walks in the door. So I'm like, oh, brilliant. He's done that again. That's brilliant. It's just like when you, um, I know Theresa May, I remember once got in loads of stick for going on the one show and calling the bin, um, taking out the bins, the boys job, but I'm, (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's where I'll, I'll happily leave my feminism to one side and say that is totally the boy's job. And I love that. I love that it is. And that there it's are... so funny hearing you say about like rolling the bins out. Where I live, we don't have wheelie bins. So it makes putting oh. the bins out even worse. Oh. So we don't have a big wheelie bin that we can just like take them out sporadically I've, through. We've the got week several bins. Bin. I've got a food bin I have to deal with. I've got, uh, I often take out the little slimy bag of gross food mm. from that one and stick it in the little gray one out the front um we've got a garden one we've got a recycling bin we've got it's the it's lot. just never ending the bin chat <laughs> about you know sort of like which bin can, which, can this go in that one can no no it can't go in that one and um yeah but that that's that's ross's job i take the hairs out of the shower drain <laughs> so he can do the bins nice. and that's fair right that is completely fair yeah, completely there. I, I have no choice. It's only, it's only me in this house. My, my, Bingley the dog's not going to help put, any, put anything out, let alone the bins. But, um, but like, it is a weird thing because I really genuinely, I go through a phase of it. It's such a quick turnaround. I go through a phase of going, oh, God, it's midnight. I hate this job. I hate this job. And then the second I've done it, I feel like the best person, like I'm winning at life. Yeah, just, but don't you, because when, when lockdown first happened, I remember the first time I heard those garbage trucks, I really did feel like everything was going to be okay because I thought, are they going to stop the garbage trucks? What's going to happen? Is it going to be like the plague times when all the rubbish just piles up outside? So it's like, it's a real mark that you live in civilization. It's wonderful that we have the bin lorries. It's wonderful. (laughs) Definitely. And also weirdly, as much as it's gross, I kind of love my food bin. 
I remember when, I, when, I, when a food bin came into my life and it literally is, I mean, in terms of the, the waste and I quite like that sort of like segregation now of having, you know, separate mm. things. And I feel like I'm doing my little bit to save the planet. Um, but yeah, it is a gross thing, Joe. And, and, and also, I don't know about you, but I always try to shove too much into the food bin because basically you need to accept at some point you've got to just move it. And because I hate yeah, I know. I I'm, the, I'm the one more who accepts I'm the one who accepts it needs emptying. It's the other two who like fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it to the point where, you know, are you ever like just so terrified to even open it and try to do it really quickly? <laughs> well, I don't know about you. I'm that person that then spends, I, I fill it and I fill it and I should have just emptied it three days earlier. No, I rather wait till the very end that I spend about half an hour trying to tie the tiniest knot. Uh in the top of the bag, <laughs> stretching it as much as I can, just to try and get the bag to close. And then it, trying to prise it out of yes. its, its oh. container. <laughs> and, then you re and then that time when you it really rips. have filled it too much and it splits at the bottom. Oh, yeah. God. Inevitably, oh, right. sort of tea bags and coffee, which is never a good thing. You know, there's combustible bags. I've got no kind of actual, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. But, but I do think, weirdly it's almost like a, it, it, it's, a, it's a cleansing thing isn't it mm. i think that's what it is because i do feel i mean because i i would agree there's i feel terrible carrie if i've had say like a double hangover say like i've had that thing where i've gone out on a saturday and i thought it's a good idea to have a hair of the dog on the sunday and then i end up getting drunk again on a sunday night and then i wake up late or i've forgotten to put the bins mm. on sunday i literally the, the hangover on monday is so much worse if i've ignored yeah. the bin yeah so, so do you both still get weekly bin collections yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh. That is luxury. <laughs> have a, have a, have, you know, you, you one percenters have a thought for the rest of us <laughs> slobbing it with a, a fortnightly collection. But yeah. the poor Carrie hasn't got wheels on hers though. I know. I don't even have wheelie bins. You have to physically pick up those bins and carry them out. I think yeah, we should do a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's a bit unfair though. Isn't it that you think there should be like a universal like because that's why I find whenever you get guests come to stay and they come and there's a totally different setup for mm. bin recycling and they're all different colours and it, it is a bit weird there's not just a universal like yeah. approach to it but hey that's a whole other podcast <laughs> it's a <laughs> real first world problem it yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well um, I'm glad it's not just me that has to get tension. Well, well Joe, Joe hasn't got any tension about bin night because it's Ross's job. It's like, you know, what, what's bin night? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it's not just me. And obviously, if you're listening to us wondering what the hell are you talking about, uh, we do love hearing your thoughts on the show. So please do email us. The usual address is isitjustmepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, let us know our thoughts, your thoughts on the show and any suggestions for future topics. So I want to ask you both, is it just me who hates social activities like murder mysteries and <laughs> escape rooms and dining in the dark, which I've actually done. I have dined in the dark and I was very apprehensive. I was bought it as a Christmas present by was my brother. Was nudity involved? There was no nudity involved, thank God, no nudity. Although I wouldn't have known well, if there that, was that you know of, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have known. It was pitch black in there. Um, it was amazing, but it was very, very strange. They really encourage, like, I loved it, apart from the fact that they encourage you to talk to the people that you're sat with. Oh. And that I was was not on board with. <laughs> I just think it I, sounds like, I, I'd be genuinely concerned that I might get murdered or something. I mean, that, yeah. Well, I'm not going again now that that's a concern. I've not even <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> 
Karen, isn't the idea that apparently that so the idea is you, you dine in the dark, so mm -hmm. it enhances the, the your other senses. So you, apparently your yeah. sense of smell and taste. Did that work for you? I don't think so. No. Well, but somebody can just serve a whole other meat and two veg on your plate, and you would just never know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't know what you're eating as well. So you pick like a meat, fish, vegetarian option and then they just serve you whatever. And I guess it's sort of like a guessing game. You have to try and guess. They tell you afterwards what you had. But well, I had no idea. I had what, no idea. I love the idea of those chefs who've obviously eaten in any other restaurant. They've got to do a load of chefy things and make it a gorgeous plate of food. When they do it in the dark, they're going to slop it on that plate. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, Sounds like one big con. Well, I mean, that game totally sidetracked down the, the food. You're more talking, Carrie, aren't we, about the kind of social sort of gimmick? Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm with you a bit. Like, I, I love seeing, I'm a social person. I like seeing my friends. I like going out for dinner. I like going to the theatre, the, the mm -hmm. cinema. But I do worry sometimes that some of my friends are just searching for a gimmick because we have to have a gimmick. It can't mm. just be a dinner. And I'm yeah. a bit like you. I'm not very. I'm not, I'm not what they call a joiner inner when it comes to these kind of things. It, it makes me very tense. The second yeah. I is, is it that is it that your friends are just looking for any way to not have to make conversation with you, <laughs> so they come up with all these other things? Because yeah. all I do is talk about bin night. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's probably a lot. It just to feels do like with stress. Her. It just yeah. feels like a lot of stress. Like I, I, if I'm seeing my friends, I just want to go and sit and talk to my friends instead of being like, let's figure out 27 clues that unlock this door. Otherwise we're all trapped in here for the next three hours. No, I just want to sit and have a chat with you guys. And also with escape rooms, I can imagine all my friends getting super annoyed when they didn't realize before how goddamn stupid I am. <laughs> and that, you know, so like, why are we friends with her? She's useless. I feel like escape rooms are designed. Brain. They're designed to bring out the worst in everyone. Yeah. I feel like I think, that level of stress and pressure, I'm only going to get angry and upset. Yeah. Do you know what? What do you think about this though? Once, I, I agreed once and I, and I hated it, but it, it's, it gave me a lot of fun things to talk about later. But I, I got invited to an immersive theatre experience. Have you ever done that? Yeah, I have. And they, well, I mean, so it's not fair because you're an actress. <laughs> so I, oh no, that's I, my worst that, nightmare. It's my worst nightmare. But, but I was at the Corinthia Hotel and I had to go from the kitchen to this actor who was playing a manager. And it was my first night waitressing, which already gives me the most horrific flashbacks <laughs> from my time as an actual waitress. And then, so they sent me over to this table with this couple who were acting a fight. And I said, and I had to say, can I take your order? And the woman looked at me and said, yes, could you bring me a man? with decent sized balls for a change instead of this cat. And I mean, I didn't know what I was supposed to say. And you just feel like such a lemon because you don't know how to actually respond to that. And well, that I'm went on for hours. Nah, I'm out. I, I would have walked out that one. Yeah, I I've, couldn't. I'm actually getting really sweaty hands just yeah. hearing that story. That's like my worst <laughs> nightmare. I mean, I'm the person that's actually like, you know, I've refused front row tickets. I, I, and this is no disrespect carried to your industry at all. I mean, I, no, I love it. I get it. But I totally get my, it. My thing is, if I can, if I can see breath or spittle on the act, I'm too close. Okay, because <laughs> I like the idea of anonymity. I like being in the dark, watching you guys doing your thing. Any sense of me being part or immersed in the performance. I mean, like I said, I'm getting clammy hands just thinking about it. So, I, I mean, I've been given front row tickets to gigs before, and I've actually gone five rows back and asked the people to swap, and they've looked. Yeah, at me like, I, 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 I got pulled up in a play once to dance. <laughs> it was. Horrendous. Joe, what's going on? Absolutely horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
um, there wasn't any discussion or any, we'd love a member of the audience. It was just, it, it was a theater that was like, the stage was floor level. And this guy just bloody pulled me up out of my seat. The next thing I was doing a fucking foxtrot with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate it. There's a reason that I work in theater that isn't improv. There's a reason I have <laughs> and a score and set well, lines. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> oh, I can't, it, I mean, it makes me stressed and sweaty. I mean, my, my absolute limit, I think, when it comes to anything like that is, is a pub quiz. I love a pub quiz, that's perfectly fine, but anything more you know, out, out, outlandish than that, mm. I'm like, no. Even karaoke, I can't get on board with. <laughs> I can't do karaoke, and everyone's like, but it's well, your you clearly job. don't You're drink a enough. <laughs> no, I know this is the thing, I think I need to get far more drunk than I have been. But everyone's always like, You're a singer, this is what you do. And I'm like, No, but you need to understand, if I go up and sing well, yeah, that's, that that screws up everyone else. That's, that's yeah. not the point of karaoke. But then if I go up there and sing badly, because I'm a singer, everyone's going to be sat there going like, oh, I thought she was supposed to be a singer. I thought she worked for her hand. So instantly I'm like screwed either way. What, yeah, what, I hate it when good singers get up at karaoke. Exactly, well, it ruins yeah. it. It ruins <laughs> it. I, I, I hope you won't kill me for saying this story. What, what is that game that's not karaoke, but it's actually it's called Sing Star? Where oh yeah, 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 yeah. But, but but it's a game, right? It's not actually a singing or a, a test yeah. of your singing ability because you have to follow the, the there's like a grid you have to yeah. follow your voice, right? So it's actually yeah. a tactical game. Anyway, it was a Christmas party, and my my friend Luke Evans, an actor, super brilliant, <laughs> super yeah. brilliant singer, came along, all of us drunk. He took on my uncle, who can't sing for shit, but understood the the rules of the game. Brilliant and beat Luke. And Luke was just like mortified. I was like, Luke, it's not a karaoke. Don't worry, it's not testing your voice. He was like, I just don't know how that happened. I'm just gonna... <laughs> yeah, but I it's devastating. About star as well, because I've got a SingStar and I, I know I can't sing, but until SingStar, I didn't realize just how goddamn awful a singer is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's the first time I was like, is that what you all hear when I sing? And they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I could get, yeah, I, I, I could do karaoke because I also operate on the assumption, unlike things like a lot of the things we've talked about, where, you know, the pressure's on, you've got to deliver, you've got to win. Pretty much everyone's bad at karaoke, right? The bar is set very low and if you're drunk and you don't really care. I think the problem with a lot of these things is that it almost takes you back to school where suddenly the pressure's on, it's like an exam or it's a test of something. Yeah. I think that's where all our neuroses come to the, the foreground, don't they? Where we're gonna suddenly- And you normally off. have to pay a fortune to do whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, that too, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're playing, you're playing 50 yeah. quid for the, the fortune of singing terribly in front of others, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can humiliate myself at home. I don't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well I, guess, I guess one really great thing about the pandemic is that no one's gonna be locked in a mystery room for any time soon. That's true. We've got COVID to thank. Yeah, that's true. Well, but also yeah. it's one of those things, I mean, you know, cause I, I did have, doing lockdown, I had those moments of going, when this is all over and we're allowed out again, I'm going to really get out there and embrace things. I remember yeah. thinking my friends would do all these activities. I was like, yeah, I'm even going to get involved in like those, like, you know, those activities. And yeah, no, that's lasted no. about, yeah. No. I'm already like, no thanks. I'll, I'll meet you for a drink afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you can bore the pants off me telling me all about your escape romantics. Exactly. <laughs> So if you are sat there going, we are a bunch of miseries uh, and you want to tell us as much, do email us, like I said, at the usual email address. It's isitjustmepodcast at gmail.com.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So, Carrie Hope Fletcher, James Williams, is it just me who always, always pays full attention to the airplane safety demonstration? I, I thought of this because I was lucky enough to escape these strange times and have a holiday to Greece a couple of weeks ago. And it was a really, I really, really felt for the EasyJet crew. I always feel for the crew on planes because I just think it must be such a miserable job. I see so many people misbehaving and being really antisocial in a way that they wouldn't be in normal circumstances. So I really felt like, you know, the 10th time that that the cabin crew said, could everybody, could we remind you all that you are supposed to be wearing your mask? So I think they must just want to get on and say, will you put that fucking mask on? Like I've asked you <laughs> 10 times yeah. already. So how hard is it? Put the mask on. And I always just feel so embarrassed when they're standing up there giving it, here's the exits. Here's what you do with the light on the life jacket. Here's how you pull the mask down. We've all seen it a thousand times before, but it's just, it feels so rude. It's almost like, to me, it's as bad as going to a play and sitting there with a newspaper on your lap and just flicking through it loudly. Just feel like, and, you know, on a serious note, it, 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 it is important to count how many seats there are between you and the exit. You never know. You never know. So, or, or do you, am I just a weirdo and, you know, you guys ignore the safety demo? No, you're not. I watch it avidly. Every and it's so time. boring and mildly terrifying. But, you know... Well, I'm just like a textbook overthinker. So by the time I'm in my seat, I've thought about every single way this plane's going to go down. Same, so, same. So yeah. I need to know how I'm going to save myself and my family in each scenario that this plane yeah. is going to go down. So not only do I watch it, but if someone tries to speak to me, like my, my family, my boyfriend, my nephews, I'll be like, do you want to you wanna just listen? Cause I'm, yeah. Do you want to pay attention? Because I don't want to die. Thanks. Okay, bye. <laughs> exactly oh i love what a head girl you are you are on time oh i am yeah no i am goody two shoes yeah 
to the I was, bone. I was going to say we're all a bunch of goody two shoes. So I, I am the same. So I think again, <laughs> it's weird. I, I've sort of said this before. I mean, actually, I, obviously, I haven't travelled a lot <laughs> this year. But there was a point in my career when for work we would fly a lot. And I, weirdly, I went the other way because some people said the more you fly, the more you get used to it and the mm. less anxious you become. And weirdly, I remember in my 20s when I first started going on long haul flights, I used to love it. I used to embrace it. I used to just live for it. And then the more I did it, the more anxious I became to the point where I actually became borderline a bit without fail now. Every time I hate takeoff uh, every, with a passion every time. And so my weird rationale is just giving over whatever it is, three minutes of my time to watching that. In, in, in the karmic way the world sometimes works. It's going to save think, you. Yes, yeah. you know, because yeah. that might just mean this plane won't crash if I just yeah. sit here and watch it obediently. It's totally irrational, I know. And, and do, you, do you ever find, because sometimes, sometimes I often am the only one around who's paying attention. And so, and the steward, the flight attendant always looks at me really gratefully. <laughs> and, and then because you are looking at them, yeah. they direct everything to you and then it just becomes this yeah. really weird, awkward thing. Carrie, yeah. Carrie, you know, they're, they're literally playing to the audience of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I've done many times. It's so yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, it, it is weird because, I mean, you know, even when you've, I mean, the one time I did struggle a little bit was when they tried to make the, um, when they tried to make it a bit too fun and a bit too jolly. Do you know when they tried to, I, remember, I think it was BA a while ago, they got loads of famous actors involved and it just yeah. all got a little bit awkward and hammy. And weirdly, I found that harder to watch because it was just a bit embarrassing. It wasn't well, there, there was a, a virgin guy, um, and I, he was, he was um, an ex of somebody I knew. So I sort of knew him and I got him on the plane a couple of times and he had a whole pattern where he was going things like, if the oxygen masks come down, um, fit your own first and then pick your favorite child and put theirs on the neck. And it was like, it was just a bit like, oh, that's dark. I mean, I know because you are talking about something that in theory might happen, you know? So yeah. like, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah, but so you generally like in life quite as you said a goody two shoes then, Carol? Because I, I yeah. do think weirdly like, without going on about you know, the pa the pandemic too much because we do talk about it quite a lot. I know, but I do feel like sometimes that I, I didn't realize how much of a, a sort of by the book kind of person I was until this whole thing happened. You know, because now yeah. I'm very much like a why is that person standing so close to me? Like the other day for the first time in a long time, I was on the tube and somebody came and sat in the seat next to me, and I genu I genuinely had a massive like intake i had a huge intake of breath i was like <gasps> and then this no was, that's that's a dick move yeah, yeah. was it it wasn't yeah. even a full chew carriage it was just really bizarre. No. oh yeah. unforgivable yeah and i just suddenly thought oh my god this is what you've become you've become one of these people that's like you know but it, it is weird I, yeah i hadn't realized i was such a sort of you know a law-abiding citizen until yeah. this happened to, to us but but that's self-preservation did you say anything to that person no jokes, I'm far too British. I basically just, I did the inhale, then I just sort of looked at, I gave him terrible side eye. I mean, yeah. and that was it. Obviously I didn't, God forbid I should actually say something. Would you say I would have definitely said something. Would you? No, yeah. I, I, I can't. I'm, I'm so British, like I won't say anything. I'll just do the, <sighs> and get up and move. <laughs> yeah, well I would have probably done that, but I, I, I think I would have been moved to say, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to social distance here. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I would have said something like that. I definitely. I don't even sit opposite people, let alone the, the, no, the, the, no. No. But, um, my favorite thing at the moment, or my least favorite thing, I should say, is people having their masks on but having their noses out. Oh my! 
God. I'm like, what's the point? What's the point? There's no point. And I read this and brilliant also, tweet the other day. It makes your nose look so honkingly huge. Yeah. Like, much huger than it ever would have. Yeah. yeah. I saw this tweet the other day of someone saying that they, um, their husband will no longer shop with them in Tesco's because she sings, put your nose in your mask, you're a dickhead, to the tune of, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. She's like, put your nose in your mask, you're a dickhead. And I thought that's brilliant. I'm going to do that from now on. I love that. Well, well, I saw a, a meme. I never know. I never know whether it's meme or mem. With um, <laughs> somebody had drawn, you know, wearing your mask with your nose out is like wearing your underpants with your willy out, with the little yeah. willy popped over the yeah. knickers. It's yeah. true. It is yeah. true. Yeah. Extreme. I don't know how we got onto this, but I'm glad we did. It is bizarre, but I mean, hopefully, you know, oh God. I think, um, it, yeah, it's just, oh, yeah, I, I just don't get why. Somebody was saying for you the other day, um, a friend of mine was saying they remember when the seatbelt ban was brought in, you know, when, they, when mm. people made it illegal to not wear your seatbelt. And it was the same people that were going, no, I'm not going to let my civil liberties be compromised. I, I, I'm not going to be forced to wear my seatbelt. I want to fly through a windscreen just like my dad did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, it, yeah. but it's the same kind of rationale. These people say, I won't wear a mask. I just don't get the big deal. I really don't. But anyway. And also, it, it, it's not like, it's a fashion statement. It's not like they're trying to make you wear Crocs. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it might oh. save your life. It might save your oh. life. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, or someone else's. Or someone yeah. else's, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm now imagining some fucked up parallel universe where everyone is forced to wear Crocs. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, okay, that I couldn't get on board with. Even even I have to draw the line somewhere in my goody two Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Me neither. I, I know all the Croc wearers are going to be up in arms now, but yeah, I just can't. <laughs> all the Croc wearers. All yeah. the Croc wearers. Yeah, I think the Venn diagram between Croc wearers and listeners of this podcast is probably very <laughs> slim. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope there, so. Goes, yeah. There goes our croc sponsorship. Hey, I, ha I have to believe that. I have to believe it. Yeah. Oh, well, on that lovely crock of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank lovely. you so much for having me. Good luck with your book. Into Thank the spotlight you. at um, September 17th. That's one. correct, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously, fingers crossed, yeah, because it's Cinderella. You're, you're back in Cinderella, yes. In yeah. March next year. But are, are tickets available for that now? Yes, yeah, they are. Where, where should they go, Carrie? Come on, here's a chance to do that upload. Um, I, I believe it is, it's the longest URL in the world. It is <laughs> andrewlloydwebberscinderella.com. There yeah, there's a lot of potential for spelling mistakes. A lot yeah. of L's in that. Check your L's, yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks again, Carrie. And thanks Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye, Jack. Bye. <laughs>
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.